Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Friends, you're the best. Now, if someone hasn't told you that today, I just wanted to be the first person to let you know that you are simply amazing. Thank you for being you, and thank you for being in our Heart of Dating family. Now, many of you in our community have been asking me to cover the topic of betrayal and divorce, and let me say this, I've been listening, so today our conversation is going to bring you just that because our incredible guest, Ben Corson, has a lot to say about this as a man who has been through both of those things himself. I'm really excited to serve our community on this topic because I think especially in the Christian world, this topic is really underserved, which isn't very fair. So get ready and buckle up for all that Ben has to share today. Now, as we get into this episode, because we're covering the topic of rejection and heartbreak, I wanted to share something really exciting with the ladies listening. But men, don't tune out because this conversation is very much for you. And well, maybe with what I'm about to share, maybe you know a woman this could be for. If you're a Christian woman who has either recently been through heartbreak or has been through it consistently in the past and is struggling with feeling worthy or confident, maybe you even constantly fear dating and just want deeper healing from the lies that you believe about yourself, then I have something for you today, friend. I created a program specifically for women to come alongside of them to heal through heartbreak. And let me just say, if you haven't been through heartbreak even recently or maybe even ever in your life and you just struggle with constant feelings of rejection and unworthiness, this program is still for you, my friend. I'm so excited to share with you that from today until June 25th, you can join the six-week Holy Heal Your Heart group coaching program. You're going to have me by your side through this program as well as fellow women who know what it's like and are in your shoes right now. This program is going to be taught coaching style live in a private Facebook community for six weeks. There will be hour-long teaching videos as well as follow-up Q&As and thought-provoking and helpful workbooks to further you in your journey of healing that go along with each lesson. Here's what some of the gals who have been through the program say about their experience. Megan said, this program will help you take a good look at the lies you've been believing about yourself and about God. It will give you the resources to help heal your heart. And if you do the work, it will help you move forward so that you can look at the future with hope and excitement. Melanie said, I wish the program was longer to glean even more from Kate. Kate has helped me tremendously. You guys, I just have such a heart for this as someone who has been through so many romantic heartbreaks and have been able to find resilience and strength through the process. And I just want to share all of this with you. So if you want to sign up and join me in this program by June 25th, go to bit.ly forward slash heartbreak coaching June. That's bit.ly forward slash heartbreak coaching June. And if you're listening to this and the time to sign up has passed, go ahead and visit heartofdating.com forward slash heartbreak to sign up for the waitlist for the next program. All right, guys, now for the episode today. Ben Corson is the founder of Hope Generation, has a global TV and radio program, and is the best-selling author of the book Optimist Fits. He is also a gifted and nationally renowned speaker based out of Applegate Christian Fellowship. 
Ben's humorous, uplifting, and high-energy style coupled with a gift to communicate God's heart is done in a hugely impacting way, which you guys are going to hear today. I'm so excited. A few years ago, Ben shared a story of heartbreak after betrayal and divorce in his life. And through this experience, you guys, he has helped countless people who have also been wounded by those that they've loved. This personal experience has only made Ben proclaim all the louder that our God is so faithful and trustworthy and is a God of hope. You guys can hear even more details about that story by visiting the Hope Generation YouTube page or by going to bencorson.com. Today, Ben and I talk about the aftermath of betrayal, divorce, and extreme heartbreak. We discuss how to navigate gaining back trust for others, as well as how to face your fears. We talk about learning how to embrace where you are right now and how to find hope again amidst all of the pain. We also talk about how God uses those who have been through pain. You guys are going to love this episode and Ben's heart, so I just cannot wait to share it with you today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Ben Corson. Ben Corson, welcome to Heart of Dating today. I'm so happy you're here. Kate, thank you so much for having me. I mean, we had some technical difficulties on my end because I connected wrong and I'm out in a park and you've just been so gracious. So I think this, I think this is going to be spontaneous and fun and uh, I'm kind of like in a Garden Eden setting, so I'm pumped. You know what I was just saying to you? Like, I wish I could do every interview outside because I love connecting with God in nature and in the sunshine and outdoors. So I think you're right where you're supposed to be. And that is like actually probably perfect for this conversation. It's it's funny that you say that because yesterday, um, our home church, we meet outside on Sunday mornings in the summer. Oh, wow. So it, it looks super, and I'm actually going to post, I, I think it might have already posted on social media, but like, it looks like the Garden of Eden kind of. And um, I was talking about how like humanity came from the Garden of Eden, but it's also where we're going. Like if you read Revelation 21, mm. uh, it talks about the new, or Revelation 20 and 21, it talks about like, a garden in a yes. city it calls it the new Jerusalem. Like there's the river of life in revelation, just like in Genesis, there's the tree of life with fruits mm. for the healings of the nations. Um, it, it's like, it's like Eden reincarnated. So it's cool. Like where humanity came from is also where it's going. Like it's going back. Like we're just all walking each other home. So mm. I always try to, I always try to get in those garden settings. And when you're in creation, it's like creation testifies of a creator. You just, I, I don't know. I just really connect with God there. I love that. I am so with you. I 100% connect with God in nature. And I love that you just even said that's so awesome. So Ben, for people who know of you, but may not know all the things, will you just say who you are, what you do and what you're all about? Yeah. So, so my name's Ben Corson. I'm not Ben Carson, the neuroscientist, which I commonly <laughs> get mistaken for. They're like, you're like, but get- actually that's like a compliment. So sure. Uh, it, it is a compliment. I mean, he's a very smart guy without any, um, without making any political affiliation statements, he's a smart <laughs> yeah. guy, but I don't have gifted hands. So he does, he's a great neuro neurosurgeon, but, um, yeah, so I gave my first sermon in third grade. So oh, wow. I, st- I started really young, been doing this for a long time. And, uh, I started teaching Bible studies at my house when I was 16. And that's when I was like regularly teaching. And I gave my first like traveling oh my message away at 16. And then I became a pastor at 18, my senior year of high school, and uh, have just been traveling the nation since then speaking. And um, now we focus a lot on our TV show, which is called Hope Generation, um, yeah. which airs in, a, in 180 countries. So we're super pumped about that. And um, yeah, and just came out with a book called Optimist Fit. So that's kind of what I've been up to. 
So incredible. Obviously, just a few things. I've just been up to a few things. You're like, <laughs> you're just doing all the things. Well, <laughs> well it's not, it, it sounds like super cool, but then, and I'm like, yeah, that is cool. But when you're actually living in the linear time frame, like you're in the continuum, it, those, those sound like highlights, but that's actually been like a decade and a half worth of work. So right. it sounds, it sounds cool, but it's like been over a very, very, long period of time and thousands of hours. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. You didn't just snap your fingers and do all of that this last year. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's incredible event. Oh my gosh. And even just from knowing you briefly, like you're so positive, you are so, you just radiate joy and um, yeah, just a really beautiful kindness to your spirit. So um, I really think you have that gift of like showering encouragement over people in a very beautiful way. Uh, So that's why I'm really even just so excited and honored to have you on today and to dive into the topic that we're going to talk about, which is going to be really awesome. Um, because especially what we're talking about today, it can be like sort of, you know, sometimes a heavier subject when we're, what we're about to dive into. And I just, I'm excited to kind of have a conversation that yes, is real, but also that is positive and life-giving and hopeful. Um, and I know that that's what, like when you come to Ben Corson, that is what you're going to get is something beautiful, life-giving and um, positive. So thank you for just all you do. <laughs> yeah, Kate, you too. I mean, I think of that character in the book of Acts, his name was Barnabas. And it said that he was a son of encouragement. Mm. And I just feel like that's, you're like the female version of Barnabas. You're, oh, you're, like, a, you're like a daughter of encouragement. So I think this is going to be really cool because, um, you know, I think when, when we're talking about heartbreak and suffering, which I know we'll, we'll dive into some of that in relationships. The, the thing is, is like um, Jesus went through the cross to get to the resurrection. So mm. I'm so glad that the, the crucifixion Black Friday isn't the end of the story. It goes to Easter egg, dying, bunny hopping. Jesus resurrected Easter Sunday, you know? So yes. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we can turn our wounds into wisdom and our scars into stars. And it's been said like the scars we share become lighthouses for others so they can mm. avoid the rocks that nearly shipwrecked us. And um, so, so yeah, I'm glad like we get to not wink at the suffering and destigmatize the taboo of like depression in relationships, but then not live with depression. There's like that popular phrase right now among uh, centennials, millennials, and hipsters, like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm learning to live with depression. And I'm like, why would you want to live with depression when you can defeat depression? Like you've been given a sound mind, the Bible says. So yeah. I'm glad like we're going to explore the mm. suffering and then emerge to resurrection. Cause I think that's super important. Mm, that's so, so good and true. And so when it comes to relationships, um, and this is obviously a dating podcast, I feel like so many of our listeners have been through, um, heartbreak I have been through heartbreak and but even to take it further a lot of our listeners too for a while so many of them have been asking me to like talk more about the subjects of betrayal and divorce and extreme heartbreak and we haven't really talked about any of that very much um, because there's just so much to cover when it comes to dating and I'm like I hear you guys okay well you want to talk about this let me let me have a conversation that is life-giving and um, I know that for you Ben that you have a story of past heartbreak and betrayal. And so we don't have to go into all those details, but is there anything you'd just be willing to share off the bat with us today about that? And then we could just dive into the topic. Yeah. So part of my story, especially um, it's, it's on our YouTube channel, a yeah. message I gave a few years ago called uh, hope through heartbreak. I gave this message to um, express what it's like to go through heartbreak when, you know, when somebody you really love, does leave you. And when you get heartbroken mm-hmm. and, um, you know, if, if any of your listeners have ever experienced that where, you know, somebody you cared about and loved 
went out on you with somebody else. Like it's not easy. It's very yeah. difficult for all of us. And um, I don't, I like, like we talked about before and you've been so gracious with this. I don't, I don't really like talking about the details because I just like to stay classy with everything. But I do want to say um, that I've been through heartbreak mm-hmm. and it's, it's the worst, you know? <laughs> and, um, but, but something that's helped me so much is this uh, Catholic priest said that anybody who's on the Jesus path will at some point in their life suffer a major betrayal. Mm. And um, Jesus had Judas. And mm. we're all going to go through that at some point in our life where, where we've been heartbroken by somebody or, um, you know, maybe it, it, might, it might not even, I know this is a dating podcast, but it might be even like your parents or right. um, a, a close totally. friend or whatever, just so, somebody in your life that you've deeply invested emotional, um, your emotional, like, uh, love like and realist love and care and mm-hmm. support to. And then when that gets, when, when that, you know, faith gets broken, it's very, very world shattering. It's very difficult. So, yeah. but, but it's really comforted me to know, wait, okay. Anybody who's on the Jesus path will suffer a major betrayal in their life. Jesus had Judas. Don't be surprised by this. Like, um, and sometimes I think we can live down to betrayal that's happened to us. Like we can start to think, I guess there's something, um, fundamentally wrong with me or like, I'm not good enough or, um, I'm, you know, maybe I'm just a loser. And that's why I, I mean, some girl might say, that's why I got dumped by this guy, or that's why I I went through this heartbreak, but that's actually not true. Like, um, if yeah. Jesus, if Jesus went through that stuff, like we can stand in solidarity with that. Cause we're everyone, I don't care who you are. We're all going to go through some form of heartbreak in our life. And, um, the fact that Jesus came to join our tears to the tears of God, yeah. that he can sympathize with all of our weaknesses and, and sicknesses and heartbreaks and heartaches is very comforting for me. And in fact, um, did you know the phrase a broken heart was actually invented by the Bible? So people oh who God. think that the that the Bible like doesn't can't bring to bear any relevance on uh, a broken heart in dating relationships or whatever um, are gravely mistaken because the the first time the phrase broken heart ever came up in antiquity or ancient uh, literature was in the Hebrew uh, poetry in the Psalms when David in 1000 mm. BC approximately wrote about a broken heart and this is what he said about it totally inventing the phrase like etymologically the, the <laughs> syntax and rhetoric for a broken heart invented by the Bible and he said. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted yeah. and he heals the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus then piggybacked on that, quoting Isaiah 61, that, that he had come in Luke 14 to heal the brokenhearted. So I always like to encourage people that your breakdown will prove to be God's breakthrough because he's near to you when you have a broken heart. And this is in a special way. He's got a special place in his heart for those who have had their own broken. Mm, That is so good. I mean, the Psalms are just that beautiful example. And I agree, like so many heartbreaks that I've been through and even betrayal because I've been through betrayal and relationship. I've had to go back to, oh my gosh, but God says that he does not leave me or forsake me, especially when I'm heartbroken. And it can feel that way. It can feel like you're abandoned almost in a way. Um, and that, you know, like, especially if, when it comes to betrayal, that somebody that you've loved has chosen somebody else and all these lies of like, oh, I'm not worthy. Yeah. I'm not chosen. Yeah. I'm not X, Y, Z, insert whatever here. Um, but like in the Psalms and in God's word, like we will always be chosen by God first and foremost. And that is ultimately um the best person to be chosen by like let's face it yeah um and no human on this planet can satisfy those um areas in our heart 
for love as, as much as God can. Um, but, but with that being said, like betrayal still is, it's still devastating, right? It's, it's still gonna be really tough. Um, like when it happens, it's like, oh my gosh, like we know it might come, right? We know like, well, we maybe don't know it might come, but we know that trials may come. We just like pray and hope that it's not like betrayal, especially if we're in a relationship or if we're married. Um, so I know a lot of people that have gone through that. And even part of my journey also has looked like really having a hard time after going through betrayal, trusting again, um, trusting people again, and especially trusting in relationship again. Uh, how yeah. do you, like, what, what do you think that, uh, how would you encourage people like trying to build back up trust? Because a lot of people in our community are like, yeah, I've, I've been married. I've been divorced. I don't know how to trust again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, first of all, you said we're chosen. Mm. Like a, a lot of people, when they hear the word you're predestined or you're chosen, they immediately think of Calvinism or reformed theology. But when I look at that verse, I, it kind of hits my heart as, as beautiful poetry. Like I'm chosen. Yeah, In fact, yeah. Mal- Malachi 3.17 says uh, that God's people are his jewels. So mm. first of all, how cool is that? Like I'm his crowning, <laughs> I'm his crowning jewel. Yeah, so even, even, when, even when other people, you know, um, break our heart or, or we, we go through times where we feel like we can never trust again or we mm. feel like some, somebody else was chosen over us, um, we can remember, wait, I'm God's jewel and I'm chosen by him. Like mm. that's so amazing. And so I like to encourage people that, you know, the person who broke your heart is not your dictionary. They don't define you. Like your, your identity is found in the fact that you are his jewel and he has chosen you. Like you're the pearl of great price that the master of the kingdom would bankrupt the heavens to sell everything he has to be a penniless teacher from Nazareth, to buy you, go to the ends of the earth, even across to show that he's madly in love with you. And, And knowing God's love helps me to trust again. Now, here, here's what I will say. Um, after Jesus did all these miracles in John 2, it said that they started believing in him, but he didn't trust them. Mm. It, it doesn't say he didn't love them. He totally loved them and love believes all things. But he also knew that people are like snowflakes, like they're special and unique. No two snowflakes are the same, but they're still flakes nonetheless. So like <laughs> there's just, their people are fickle, you know? Oh my gosh. So, that's like the best definition I've heard. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, they're beautiful, wonderful, but that doesn't mean they're, they're not flakes. So he, 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 he had this really good, razor edge balance of like, I'm going to invest in people. I'm going to love people, but I'm going to hold it lightly. Like I'm going to take a whole lot more things, a whole lot less seriously. And I think that's how he was able to, one of the many multiplicity of ways he was able to be anointed with the oil of gladness. The Bible says of all his fellows, like he was the most joyful person to ever live uh, because he, he kept, he said, your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I, I get my approval. Like the glory from the father. So mm. I feel like when you know the love of God, that's what sustains you during these, these really heart wrenching times, because yeah, when, when here's something else that I think is really fascinating. Yeah. When, when you're crying tears over heartbreak and you feel like you can't trust again, like in my case, when I went through heartbreak, I, uh, uh, I remember I was convulsing. Like I, mm. I was, I was crying. I'd never cried like this in my life. Like, mm. I was convulsing. I was shaking. I was, I was, I was like having a nervous breakdown. And then, um, after that for like, for like several months, I couldn't feel really anything. I, I I couldn't feel, it was numbness. Like my, it was actually very gracious. I don't, 
I don't know if it, it's distant, a distant relative, a distant cousin to mm. the piece that passes understanding. Because, like, I would rather have numbness for a while than just, you know, because because God graciously kind of shut my emotions down because it was so brutal for mm. my heart that, like, I just felt like a robot with dead batteries. Obviously, mm. that's not a healthy place to land, but that's part of the grieving experience. And yeah. um, when I I went through that time, and then ironically, what started lifting me out, one of the things that started bringing me out of depression was a crazy group of friends who started skateboarding with me and like showing me that <laughs> life could be fun again. Like, yeah. and so, so like, you don't, and I don't, I hope this helps your listeners. I'm just yeah. gonna, I'm just trying to be as honest as I can in this. Mm. Like it, you don't have to have a relationship to be joyful. Like you don't, you don't have to have this thing to be happy. Now, if God puts that desire in your heart, wonderful. Delight in him and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Absolutely. But in the interim, in the waiting season, like enjoy your friends. It's been said like single mm-hmm. people, single people will always want to get married. And then mar- a lot of married people wish they were single. Yeah. So it's just <laughs> like it, Paul said, whatever state I'm in, learn to be content. And so one of the things I've learned is just whatever season I'm in, whether single yeah. or not, like I've learned to just say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be content where I am and try to enjoy where I'm at on the way to where I'm going. I get to do this awesome podcast with Kate Warman right now <laughs> in an in a Edenic garden setting mm-hmm. and encourage a lot of listeners because you, you have such an amazing following oh, and, and people you, who love listening to you. And it's like, this is sick. <laughs> like, I, we're always thinking some something else, somewhere yeah, else. Like, yeah. how can I get over there? And we're missing the essential isness. We're yes. missing the essential this. You know, yeah. and so I think the and and when you have that mindset, you're, you know, I'm speaking to the general you. When somebody has that mind, mindset, generative, like you're going to be way more attractive to whoever God wants you to be with. Like it's going to be you're not going to be clingy. You're not going to say, "Oh, my wife is my life. My husband is my foundation." Like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm loved by God. I'm enjoying my friends, and that's actually going to be far more attractive to people than. Um, than desperation. Mm, I totally agree. I love what you're saying too with the skateboarding because in one of my more recent, in the past recent years, really big, big heartbreaks, like it was so hard for me to feel joy at all. I just was like, oh, this sucks, you know, <laughs> like the crying, the oh my gosh. And um, it was a very healthy relationship, but I thought I was going to marry that person 100% almost positive that I was going to and it ended out of nowhere for me. And what happened in that time was I had a dream um, in my dream, I went to Disneyland and I felt so much joy in this dream. Like it's so vivid. And I believe God does speak to us in dreams. And I was like, it was a very vivid dream, which I knew was a God speaking to me in this dream. And the next day I drove from the Orange County where I was up to LA and just so happened, I drove by Disneyland. Okay. And I was like, what? I was like, God, what is happening? I literally that week then got a pass to Disneyland. And part of my grieving process is I went with a few friends like every week to two weeks to Disneyland through my heartbreak to experience joy when I was numb in every other area. Um, and it honestly, like people now know I'm obsessed with Disneyland, but it's, it has like a way deeper meaning for me than just like, I like the nostalgia. It's, it actually helped me through one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life. And it was something I could grasp onto that allowed me to experience joy when I couldn't really feel that every single day during my grief. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, well, I, I empathize with that because I had a Disneyland pass in high school and <laughs> yeah. I would go there. I would go there like literally there was a season I was going there several times a week. C.S. Lewis said this super great thing. I think you're going to like Kate yeah. about how 
Um, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just want no, to I before I forget, <laughs> interject this. Like C.S. Lewis talked about when people see slums, they're mm-hmm. always like, that's real. That, that's the real world. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, you, that, that's real. Like mm-hmm. you got to open your eyes to the real world. Disney is not real. But he pointed out, he pointed out why is a toddler playing with his dog any less real than mm-hmm. a slum? Mm. like like the like it's that. it's heartbreaking to see a child like with a swollen belly in africa but that's not more real than um than riding a roller coaster it's yeah. it's all part of it it's all part of this yes. thing and yeah. so so i i, I think like mm. looking at life through a hopeful lens is not i i think people like they bifurcate these diametrically opposed ideas as if they're binaries like you're either a realist or an optimist and i'm saying but what if optimism is reality mm. so so I think that's beautiful that you, you said that because Disneyland <laughs> is just as real as the heartbreak you went through. It's, yeah. it's like, what are you investing your neurological process into? Yeah, I, I, I so agree. So it's like, okay, in this process of grieving, find something you can do that brings you joy and like cling yeah. on to that and do that as much as you can. If like, because if you can't get it from anywhere else, especially when you're going through something like divorce or heartbreak, betrayal, whatever it is. Um, and okay, I want to also say this because there's a total season for grieving and going through the emotions, especially after something like a betrayal or a divorce or a major heartbreak. But um, I, in your talk that you mentioned earlier, the hope for hope through heartbreak talk, um, something you mentioned while you were while you were speaking in that was instead of saying how can I get out of this, we need to start saying what can I get out of this. Uh, basically, for me, meaning like okay, yes, there's a time to grieve and just feel it and feel the feelings and whatever. But also like then we have to say, how do we learn from this? You know, um, yeah. instead of like just wanting to get out of how awful this might feel, like how, what can we learn from that and bring yeah. as a beautiful gift to both ourselves and to our future relationships, honestly? Um, yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because literally right before this call, I was reading a book um, from the year 1890, so like over a hundred years ago, wow. written by a guy named Oscar Wilde, and he said, "Behind every exquisite thing, there is a tragedy." Mm. And that's that's one of my favorite quotes. And I actually read that quote in the book, and I had read it in another book, and so I recognized it. Oh, wow. And um, and that's one of my favorite quotes right now. Behind every exquisite thing, mm. there is a tragedy. There is something tragic. And so um, I genuinely believe that what Viktor Frankl said is true. He was a logotherapist who suffered. Auschwitz and Dachau and concentration camps in oh, World goodness. War II. And Viktor Frankl said, suffering is meaningless, but the courage we bring to our suffering gives it meaning. Mm. So I'm not, I would never say the betrayal you went through, the heartbreak you went through, the hard times you went through, the bereavement you went through, the losses you've been through. Like I would never say to anybody, that's good. Mm. What, I, what I will say is that those things are, are bad and they, they feel meaningless because they are. But when you meet the suffering with courage. Mm. You give it endless and infinite meaning. How much meaning you give to your suffering is proportionate to your courageous ability to learn from it. So mm. I believe that like, it's, so it's, it, I'm basically just saying a complex version of what Paul said, all things work together for the good. Mm. Now that doesn't mean all things are good. It means all things work together for the good because truly God's good. And I actually learned that from my brother, Peter John, because, um, yeah, I mean, he said this is very beautiful, but not all things are good, but all things work together for the good. And so I believe that what Paul said is true in Romans 5. We glory also in tribulation because tribulation produces patience. Patience produces experience. Experience produces hope and hope never makes ashamed. 
because of the love of God mm. spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So like, when's the last time we gloried in tribulation where we're like, this is awful. Praise God. This is sick. <laughs> like, how, how are those both true? It's like, because I'm giving meaning to my suffering by my greatest ability to learn from it. In other words, Paul's saying pain makes you stronger. Tears make you braver. Heartbreak makes you wiser. So you can thank your past for a better future yeah. when you meet your suffering backed by the God of hope. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the God of hope. That's the title Paul gives God in Romans 15, 13, because, you know, we go through, can I, can I tell a quick story? Oh uh, yeah. To kind of illustrate I, this? It, it, please do. Yeah. Go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been talking for a while. So do you want to say something? Well, no, I, I was just going to say everything that you're saying reminds me too of a verse that is just, you know, it's a hard hitter verse, but it's something that I hold on to James one, two. It's like, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your face per, faith produces perseverance, steadfastness, whatever you want to say. Like I, that is such a hard thing to read and absorb, but I'm like, that's exactly what you're saying as well. It's like, do we have the courage to show up and find the joy within the trials yes. because it actually is producing so much fruit in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's exactly right. So, so behind every exquisite thing, there was a tragedy. Mm. I mean, even historically, any beautiful thing that happened, there was something tragic in the plot of that narrative arc. Friends, I want to take a quick pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited about. I just want to say that I know the struggle is real with dating in our current culture. It can be murking and confusing and sometimes just so frustrating. Do you ever feel like you have no idea what you're doing or that you keep trying and failing or that you just don't know how to handle hard situations or conversations with people? Or maybe you just feel stuck in a dating wasteland with no good potentials. Whew, I get it, and I have felt a ton of those exact same things. Now, a huge issue when it comes to dating is that we don't have a ton of great resources out there for guidance. The Bible doesn't talk about dating because it didn't exist at the time. And now today, about 50% of the church in the U.S. is single, and even that number is growing. So the problem is that we need resources. I get it. I get all your frustrating feelings. So I have made it a goal of mine to research and talk to pastors and watch videos and read as many books as I can just so that I can be equipped to do this podcast as well as go into my own dating life with the best and sharpest possible tools. And I have exciting news today. I have compiled all of my favorite dating resources and created a free resource guide for you so you don't have to scour for all the best things to read or watch anymore. It is called The 7 Resources to Change the Dating Game. I truly believe that this guide will help you navigate this journey with clarity and intention. It is going to help you to sharpen the tools in your toolbox and get out there and date amazingly. You can grab this free resource by visiting heartofdating.com forward slash seven resources. That is heartofdating.com forward slash seven resources. I am so excited for you guys to get your hands on this incredible free resource. So, so I just want to share this story because um, it has to do with dating and it has to do with heartbreak and yeah. it has to do with the worst kind of loss. So I remember, and I, I hope I can kind of empathize with 
people who are going through real hardship before people think, oh, well, Ben and Kate, they're just so positive. Like, I can't, I can't, their lives just must be unicorns shooting rainbows out of their eyes, like rainbow (laughs) sandwiches and Pegasus steak. I wish, but no. I know. But so I remember when I was, um, when I was in in elementary school, my sister and my dad were talking about dating. Mm. And my dad's like, Jessica, that's my sister's name. He's like, you, you, you have to marry somebody who's godlier than you. Mm. And she's like, well, uh, I'm never going to get married then. And he's like, why not? And she's like, because I'm the godliest person I know. Like, <laughs> so she was, she was kind of joking around. Like, she's feeling cheap, herself. But, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, totally. And so, so the next day, my sister Jessica, she died in a car accident. And oh. my brother came home to reveal the news. And he said to my family, she's found her man. She's, oh, she's found oh her man. The bride, the bride of Christ has found her man. Oh. Well, so this is where the story, it gets even like mm. more intense. So I'm just sharing this case, hopefully give some people some comfort if they're going through really hard stuff. Mm. So, so my brother delivers this news. She's found her man, like the bride of Christ. She's found her man. And then, um, a few months ago, my brother died of cancer and, mm. um, and he was so young. So it was just obviously, it was, you know, the, oh, one of the worst heartbreaks yeah. anyone I think can go through. And, um, and when my brother was on his deathbed, it was crazy because, um, the song happened to come on the radio and it was the song, take my hand and walk by the mm-hmm. cry. It's like a really obscure song from the nineties that we listened to as kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this song was the same song. It just shuffled on the radio. Like there was no plan for this song to come on. It just the, the radio was on repeat. It shuffled to a random, obscure indie 90s Christian song. And and I looked up at my dad, and we both had tears in our eyes over my brother's deathbed. And my dad said, do you know what song this is? I said, this is the song that played at my sister's memorial service, Take My oh. Hand and Walk. And so, and it's it's such a beautiful song because it's like, you know, the Lord was taking my sister's hand and walking her down the wedding aisle as the bride of Christ, you know? Mm. And then... And then my brother, that was one of the last songs that played before he went to heaven. Mm. And somebody, somebody messaged me without even knowing that story and said, your brother graduated when he went to heaven. Like he graduated. Oh, and I just God. picture like with, and the song is take my hand and walk. Like with one hand, with one hand, the Lord is taking my sister down the wedding aisle, walking her down the wedding aisle. And with the other hand, He's taking my brother down the graduation aisle mm. saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And now they're like reunited as brother and sister together. And, um, and, and I just want to mm. say like, and, and my dad's also, my dad's first wife died in a car accident as well. And so you go through mm. this kind of stuff. And, and for me, my story is such that I went through 10 years of chronic depression where I was suicidal. Like I took up a knife to kill myself one day. The Lord stayed my hand. He was very great. Mm. But ever since my senior year of high school, I like, I was a t- like a, in my 18th year, I suffered like huge depression. Mm. So all of this stuff that I'm like telling you and talking to you about is stuff that I've really experienced. So it's not something that I'm like, you know, I theorize this stuff. It's, I found that God, no matter what you go through, even when you think it's like, I can't tell you how many days I woke up and I'm like, it's over. Like there's nothing left to live for Mm. that God, that God could heal my broken heart. And then not to mention the romantic heartbreak I went through too. Like yeah. after all that stuff, like if God could heal my broken heart, this is just the simple thing I want to tell your listeners is God can heal your heart too. Mm. Wh- whatever you've been through, God can heal your heart too. 
Mm. And that's just the simple like kind of encouragement I want to give to people. Oh my gosh, Ben. I literally have tears in my eyes because it's like, it's such a tragedy and also so beautiful. Like, because like you said earlier, the heartbreaks span from more than just romantic heartbreaks. Like all of the tragedies we face, whether losing someone physically and in a death or our families not being what we thought they were going to be as children and we don't experience the childhood we thought, but like how beautiful is it in God's redemption and, and how like you are a standing testament of, of his glory and his healing and his joy shining through you through the trials and tribulation, like you were saying, and like how you showed up in those situations with courage, because it does, it's like courage and bravery isn't easy. Um, Brené Brown talks about stepping into the ring and vulnerability, and it's not easy to do that, um, especially in moments of like where you just want to run away, like those moments where you're like, God, I just don't, I want to throw my hands up right now. None of this makes sense. Um, right. But to face that with a fierce, just an overwhelming sense of courage. Like, I, I mean, I'm so encouraged personally by that. I know the listeners are, they must be right now listening. <clears throat> yeah. Well, there, there's this beautiful passage in Psalm 56 where it says, the Lord collects all our tears in his bottle. That's one yeah. of my favorite verses. Yeah. The, the psalmist says, are not all my tears collected in your bottle? Are they not recorded in your book? Mm-hmm. Which means when you're crying, your tears are some of the most eloquent prayers. God actually writes them down in a book. Like your mm-hmm. tears are not lost on God. They're caught by God. Like he catches them in a tear bottle. And what's so beautiful too about that passage is the history behind it. Like in Old Testament culture, um, in extra biblical, like Old Testament culture, these, these women, these Jewish women, these Hebrew women, would often collect their tears in little tear bottles. Mm. And uh, these tear bottles, so they're tears of sadness and they're tears of gladness, they're tears of grief and they're tears of glee. They would collect in these tear bottles and then they would give it to their husband when they got married. And mm. so, um, so it was like a re- terribly romantic thing of saying like, mm-hmm. I give you all that's in my heart. So the heart-rending grief, the giddy glee, I'll take my tear bottle and I'll give it to you on that wedding day. That was the culture at that time in history. And so, so these Jewish women would give their tear bottle to their husband when they got married. In all four gospels, we're told the story of a woman who washed Jesus's feet with her hair, her perfume, and her tears. Mm. So, so one scholar suggests, that scholar being my dad, I'm a PK. He said (laughs) that, he said that, that this woman very, very may well have been, um, taking her tear bottle and dumping it on Jesus's feet. Mm. Oh so, so by doing so, she was saying, I'm the bride of Christ. Yeah. Like, like I, I give my heart to you. Mm. And uh, what's so beautiful about that is this woman, we know she was like, she lived a prostitute life. So she had been objectified by men. Yeah. She had been used by men. She had mm. been abused by men. And yet she knows, she knew, even though my heart has been broken by men, when I give my heart to the Lord, he's going to take such good care of it. And yeah. that should be really encouraging for us if, if we've had our heart broken by others is just to remember when I give my heart to the Lord, he takes such good care of it. He oh, takes such good care of it. Such good care of it. I love that. And gosh, it's so good. <clears throat> oh, man. Um so Ben, gosh, there's so many things I want to ask, but I'm like still in awe by just all the encouragement. Um, you know, another thing a lot of people ask me, especially, you know, going back to the heartbreak and 
betrayal, divorce is, um, you know, a lot of people aren't sure, like a lot of people actually feel like they're, they're almost the black sheep of the dating culture now, especially if you've been through any sort of like going through a betrayal or going through a divorce, like people end up feeling like, and I can speak from that, just, I haven't been married, but I have been through major betrayal. And a lot of people actually haven't in the Christian dating scene. And, um, but although a lot of people have, but I sometimes have felt like the black sheep, even in relationships where I'm like, oh yeah, I've been through that. They're like, what, (laughs) you know? Um, and so a lot of people feel like, okay, I'm nervous because I'm going to be judged for my past. And I see that a lot, especially with our listeners in their thirties who are still single and who maybe were married for a long time and are divorced now. But what kind of encouragement do you have for those people that just kind of feel like the outcasts a little bit, especially in the Christian dating culture? Yeah. I mean, you can feel like you had a deficient battery and now there's a recall. Like there was something wrong with you. And so, you know, whoever you were with just put you back on the shelf or, or or actually just threw you in the dumpster. Like this Mm. is a deficient product and you can feel like, you know, uh, what's that phrase lost goods or what? I'm not saying that phrase. No, I know what you're talking about. Like, um, used goods or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Something like that. Whenever I forget a (laughs) phrase, I always try to remember it because I love like language. And then it's the worst one. I like can't remember it either, but like, I I will think of it as we talk. If you you remember, just interrupt me. Yeah. But yeah, you you can feel like whatever that phrase is, like you're just used goods or whatever. Um, And and the the fact of the matter is like, I can't express this with enough passion. Mm. The Lord specifically in the Bible, from, from the entire story of scripture, from top to bottom, beginning to end, the alpha, the omega, the author, the finish, the whole Bible is a story written by the oppressed black sheep outcasts. Mm. The, the, the reward of history is that whoever wins the war gets to write the history. And that's why there's hagiographies. That's why like people who win the wars, they make their own characters into demigods. Mm. And, and you don't, you can't parse fact from fiction because that's mm. the reward of history. You get to tell you the story because who's going to stop you? Mm. You know, you won the war. And so the, the irony of the Bible is it was written by people who were rejected, like, and, and oppressed. Like we're talking about slaves to the Egyptians. They were, they were beaten by the Assyrians, by the Chaldeans, by the Babylonians, by the Romans. So this is, this is not a book written by the Americans. Yeah. And that's why sometimes it's hard for us to like relate to the Bible because we are empire. And, and in Jesus's time, he was a subject in an occupied territory to the Roman government which could at any time tap you with their spear and say, carry my luggage for a mile. And here mm. Jesus is like, hey, carry the, carry the Roman, the Roman soldiers baggage for two miles, <laughs> you know? And he's like teaching them to love the Nazis. It's yeah. like, wait, seriously? <laughs> we're Jews. Like, are you sure we should love these Romans right now in the third line? <laughs> I know it's a little different, but still. So ultimately, like it's written by the, so what is this theme that comes up over and over again in the Bible? It's that God is the father to the fatherless. Yeah. He, he champions the cause of the orphan, mm-hmm. the poor, the widow. Mm-hmm. He literally blesses those who mourn. Yeah. He's always going after the black sheep, the outcast, the one who was rejected. And he's essentially saying, your reject is my protection. I'm literally going after yes. you if you feel like you're the one who's on the marginalized fringes of society. So when we feel like, oh man, we're, you know, we're blackballed because of what we've been through, or, you know, we have this history of maybe there's something wrong with us. Like we have a defunct battery and that's why we were rejected or whatever it is. We have to remember, um, 
the Lord champions the cause of the marginalized. Absolutely. And that's true for yeah. all of us, for all of us. So I just, uh, yeah, that, that's what really encourages. In fact, it's funny. Uh, I, I said this during Christmas, but you know how like sheep are in the nativity scene? Yeah. Back in Jesus' like when we think of a shepherd, a nomadic shepherd today, we think very idyllic. Oh, that's beautiful, a peaceful shepherd, <laughs> like uh, little Bo Peep with her sheep. Like that's what we think of, like children's stories, very cuddly and cute and stuff. But in Jesus's day, uh, shepherds were outlaws. In fact, if you had done something horribly wrong and went, went against the taboo in the village, you were then ostracized to tend sheep all day. Mm. And, and you would come back into the village. Like and yeah. It was a punishment. And the smell of sheep would precede you when you walked into the village. Like, like a, a bell around your neck, they could smell you from a mile away, proverbially. Mm. It's just like, they're like, oh, that guy's... So, so you sm- if you smelled like a she- uh, the sheep... It's like, you're, you're a black sheep, speaking of the yeah. phrase you use. Like, you're an outlaw. You're an outcast. So the message of Christmas, who gets the first message of Jesus' birth during the Christmas story? Shepherds mm. in, their, in their fields by night. Right. And then what does Jesus say? I am the good shepherd. shepherd. Yeah, And so, so what he's saying, what he's doing there in, historically is he is identifying and associating with outcasts. So yes, it's one thing to say like, mm-hmm. hey, I take care of the outcasts. It's another thing to say, I'm an outcast too. And indeed he was. Like the government and religion, Judaism and Pontius Pilate and the Roman government colluded to kill him. So he was an outcast too. So the fact that he identified with a shepherd. In fact, remember when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel? Yeah. Um, <laughs> all these sons passed before Jesse's yep. eyes. And he's like, wow, they're good looking. They're yeah, they're they all great. great. But actually- they do great. They do great on the Christian dating scene or, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And then, and then none of them were selected by God. Yes. And then Samuel said, well, I have, do you have any other kids? And Jesse said, I have one more kid, but he is a shepherd. Yes. In other words, David was such an David. outcast. He wasn't even a candidate in, no, in Jesse's they're like, mind for He's kingship. like, wait, someone's missing. They're like, oh, you don't want him. <laughs> no, because he's, he's, a, he, that's why he's, a, he's a shepherd. He's an outcast. And right. the fact that the Lord said in that text, uh, the Lord doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart. Even yeah. though man looks on uh, what a person looks like, God's looking at the person's heart. And this is the one who's been chosen. It was David. And so Jesus was called the son of David. He's a shepherd. He's associated with outcasts. So I just want to encourage people, you know, if you feel like a black sheep, which we can feel like, like outlaws and outcasts, Jesus very much identifies with you. So be very confident that you're in good company. Mm, I love that. And even to like the people, I also just speak to people who haven't been through this, but who are dating and come in contact with people who have been through betrayal or divorce. Like, I think that's a lesson for everyone who hasn't been through these things to also know like, Hey, stop the judgment. You know what I mean? Like, cause I do honestly see a lot of Christians place a lot of judgment on people who have been through those situations. And I think that's got to stop honestly. Like, um, and I've even had discussions in our group, like people are like, Oh, I would never, and this this is where I like I get a little bothered um to be honest where I have Christians uh, men or women saying like, I would never date someone who has been through a divorce or I've never date someone who has been through that kind of a um, betrayal, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wait, why? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, because there's a, there's a level of judgment. I feel like uh, against those people. And I just think that that isn't right. And that's why people feel like the black sheep, um, if they've been through divorce or betrayal or heartbreak and that, I mean, that can be why. And I just think that we, the, the people on the other side of that also need to hear this message too, of like, God came for those people. He's, he's in living in that, like who are we and anybody else to judge, um, someone else's situation, honestly. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. have anything to say yeah. to that too. No. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm not, I won't paint a mustache on the Mona Lisa. I think that's masterfully said. And that's just <laughs> great. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so an, another thing, Ben, I'll just ask you and if you have any insight on this, but a lot of people ask like, okay, I've been through this large heartbreak, whether it's through really a dating situation that I thought it was going to end well, whether I have been betrayed or cheated on or whether I've been divorced and I'm trying to get back out there. Like any thoughts, Ben, on like, how do you know if you're actually ready to go back into it again in terms of dating? Like, a lot of people are like, I, I don't know because I've still been living in fear or I, I have trust issues. Like, what would you say to that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, Paul nailed it when he said, let the peace of God rule mm. in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule in the original language literally means umpire. It was used of an official in the ancient games. Like there were the Pan-Ionian games in mm. uh, Corinth and the Smin or in Ephesus and the Sminian games in Corinth and the Olympic Games in Athens, like sports were all the rage in Paul's day. And, and he used a sports term, let the peace of God umpire, mm -hmm. like rule your hearts. In other words, when you're like, should I date this person or should I remain single? Mm -hmm. Should I go out with this person or take that person to dinner? Like when you're trying to make these decisions, should I go into the dating scene? Should I remain single? I think it's really important to let the peace of God rule your heart. So think of the word is literal. In fact, one translation does render it umpire. Mm. So think of an umpire, like he calls safe or out. <laughs> right. So if, if you, if you have, if you don't have a peace and be like, dude, just go back out on the scene, like go, go on, go into the dating scene, but you don't have a peace about it. God's mm. calling you out. He's like, yeah. you're, he's calling you out on the carpet. He's like, don't do it. You're lacking a peace. If you do have a peace, he's like, you're safe to do it. Like go for it. Mm. So the, and by the way, the peace of God sometimes leads us into the scariest situation. So I'm not <laughs> saying like the peace of God is just do whatever is, you know, the, the path of least resistance. I'm saying, uh, I mean, sometimes the peace of God will lead you to be like Ruth and lay at Boaz's feet, which is very daring. You know, that's <laughs> very, very daring to go lay at God's yeah. feet when he's <laughs> sleeping on a pile of grain and then uncover his feet, which was had huge romantic overtures yes. in that, in any <laughs> culture, let alone that one. Yeah. So the, the fact that like, so sometimes the peace of God will lead you to do the, the, the things that require greater risk. Sometimes not. The, the point is, is that this peace is to be the umpire of our hearts. And so mm -hmm. I just say, follow the peace. Psalm 37 says, seek peace and pursue it. So where the peace is, that's where you should go. Mm, that's good. And I think it's so important to like just frequently check in your heart. If you're like, okay, I have a peace. I'm going to enter back in. Just keep checking in with yourself on that. Like be real with yourself and your heart of like, okay, I'm starting to feel like actually unsettled now. I'm going back into anxiousness. I'm going back into feeling major rejection. And maybe I need to take a pause and a break. Like just because you've decided now it's my time to go back in. I have a peace. Like you still need to kind of balance that and be aware and, and keep, um, just checking in self-regulating. You know what I mean? Like, cause I'm like, Hey, you guys, if you've been through a grief, it, you can't say that like, it will never come back up. You just need to be aware, uh, and, and constantly checking in with yourself on that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really, that's really important. Like even Paul said, I know it's a totally different context. He said, examine yourself to, to see if you'd be in the faith. He was talking about something else, but I think that that examining yourself and, 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 like having that intimacy with God's probing searchlight, yeah. you know, the, the, is super important. Psalm 139 says um, that, you know, you know my thoughts from oh, afar off. There's favorite. not a word on my tongue, but behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. Intimacy is, is it's like it sounds kind of onomatopoeia. It's into me see, mm -hmm. into me see. You see into me, Lord. You, you see into me. And when you let that intimacy, that probing searchlight of God, 
search, search my heart and know it, the psalmist said. Mm. And then you examine yourself, like checking in with yourself. I, like you said, I think is with the probing searchlight of God accompanying you is, is a yes. very important endeavor. I mean, the number one role, even of Greek philosophy, Socrates said, know thyself. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the unexamined life, he said, it's is not, not worth, worth living. living. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So super important. Love that. I love that. Into me, see. I love it. And Psalm 139 has been like, it's like one of my favorites, Matt. Man. Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, Ben. Um, Man, this is such a good conversation. But Ben, um, I'm just so grateful for all your wisdom and insight and encouragement. Like we're able to talk about a subject that is really difficult and like just bring so much hope and positivity. So Ben, thank you so much. Um, before we leave, uh, I asked everybody the same last question. So you're going to get it too. Nice. And it's just, what's your final nugget of dating advice today? Like it could be about this subject or just, or this specific topic or anything you want within the context of dating. Yeah. Whether you're single or whether you're dating somebody right now, <clears throat> I just want to encourage you to enjoy where you're at on the way to where you're going. Yeah. Like, like enjoy the ride. Life is a roller coaster and it's up to you whether you scream or enjoy the ride. Mm. And so if you're single, like just be content and say, sick, I'm going to skate with my friends and I'm going to look forward to God giving me the, 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 the person I'm supposed to be with at just the right time. But he's got to prepare me for the blessing and prepare the blessing for me. Mm. So I'm going to do what the Bible says 106 times. I'm just going to wait for the Lord. If you are together with somebody and you're dating them right now, continue to follow that peace. Continue to love without condition, without mm. predicating it on, oh, if this person's kind to me, then I'll be kind back. The book of Proverbs says, the fool says, I will do to him as he has done to me. But the, 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 the gospels say, do to others, obviously the golden rule, Jesus said, what, what you want them to do to you. Yeah. You can't love too much. You can't throw kindness around like confetti too much. I've never met mm-hmm. someone and I'm like, gosh, they're just too loving. They're just <laughs> too joyful. They're just too kind. No, continue to be kind in your dating relationship, loving continue to forgive, but also continue to follow the peace. If that's the person that you're supposed to marry or not, go where the peace is, pursue the peace. And, uh, and lastly, I'll say this, you make 35,000 choices every day. Mm-hmm. Choose joy. Joy is <laughs> yes. a choice. Amen. Gosh, we go through stuff, man. But like we can choose to be joyful. And, yes. and that's why it says count it all joy. Hope is yes. a journey. Joy is a choice. Antonio Damasio, a neuroscientist, he said 95% of the time our feelings decide for us. So mm. I, I, and, and our studies have shown over and over again that we opt for what feels good yeah. rather than what we know will benefit us in the long run. So sometimes you have to just fight for what you don't feel, not just going with what feels easy, but instead saying, you know what, I'm going to choose hope. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose love. I'm going to make the choice to embark and endeavor and enterprise on a journey of hope because God has enabled, ennobled, equipped, and empowered me to live this life of sacred optimism, Jesus, joy, holy happiness, regardless of what I've been through, regardless of what I feel, I'm going to have joy, whether I'm single or with somebody, I'm going to learn in all things to be content. And that'll make you so much more attractive to your future spouse. Mm, Amen. Yes. Go back and rewind that and listen to that again, everyone, because that was good right there. Okay. (laughs) Um, That was awesome. If people want to connect with you, where did, how do they do that? Get your most recent book. Where where do they go for all of that? Yeah. So you can get uh, Optimisfits. I talk actually about some of this stuff in Optimisfits at Barnes and Noble or any bookstore near you. So just pop into the bookstore and get it. If you want to get it online, you can ordered on Amazon or my website, bencorson.com. And then, yeah, our YouTube channel is called Hope Generation. You can watch your TV show, Hope Generation, on the Hillsong channel and about 11 or 12 other networks. And, yeah, 
Uh, and on social media, just type in Hope Generation and you'll find our daily hope posts. I love it. Ben, you're the best, my friend. This is you're so the best, fun. Kate. I'm, this is so fun. I'm so thankful. And can I just say one last thing? Yeah. You, you're crushing it. What you're doing in the world oh. is so important. You're doing important work. And, and also, um, the way that you're talking about stuff and the issues you're addressing um, are pretty, pretty anomalous. Like, it's very different. I mean, I've yeah. been doing a lot of interviews lately, like I said before, for the book. And this is definitely like, I, I haven't had questions like this one, mm. the, the ones you've been asking. So you're, you. you're, you've got great journalistic insight. You've uh-huh. got great empathy and compassion for your listeners. And uh, so please keep doing what you're doing because the world needs your voice. Oh, Ben, I received that so much. The biggest smile on my face. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I just feel, I feel God's words through yours. So I appreciate and thank you so, so much for that. Um, You are the absolute best. I can't wait to continue to stay in touch. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do more stuff. We got to, oh yeah, we will. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to keep collabing. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ben, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. Gosh, you guys, I just love Ben's entire demeanor. He makes going through pain actually seem exciting in some way, only because he seemed to find so much hope and healing in his life. I love that Ben specifically said, when you meet the suffering with courage, you give it endless and infinite meaning. How much meaning you give to your suffering is proportionate to your courageous ability to learn from it. So good. That was just one truth bomb right there amidst all of the others that he dropped today on the episode. I just love, love, love Ben and his heart, and I'm so grateful for him and all that he's doing to inspire others. Now, just quickly, you guys, again, if you're listening and want further information about healing from heartbreak and rejection, or just want to conquer the lies that you feel about yourself and unworthiness, maybe you don't feel that confident and you want to gain back confidence and love for yourself, then join me in my heartbreak program by going to bit.ly forward slash heartbreak coaching June. Or if you want to join the wait list, go to heartofdating.com forward slash heartbreak and I'll let you know when the next one is coming. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartofdating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends.